theater of the mind or theater of the imagination. However you phrase it, it's an important concept that good podcasters use, regardless of the format of their podcast. Welcome back to audience. A Castos original experience. Broadcasting from the center of your audio universe, where creative podcasters find their home at castos.com. Press play right here in your podcast player every week. It's like a cheat sheet for marketing, monetizing, growing, and creating your podcast. So good, you'll want to share castos.com slash audience with your closest friends. Okay, audience starts now. Why do people make podcasts? For a question so central to what we do as podcasters, there's no actual right or wrong answer. Now, we've covered this before in various ways, but in case you're new here, let's quickly recap. Sometimes it's to help grow a brand or at least create brand awareness. Sometimes it's a gateway to premium content that an audience has to pay for, or it could just be a passion project. Oh yeah, and sometimes people make a podcast to talk about making podcasts. <clears throat> but what if the podcast is the point? What if the whole reason for making a podcast is just to create a good piece of radio or theater for an audience to enjoy? Some people actually do that. Enter Peter Link. It really comes down to one little sentence. We're going to put on a show. He's been putting on shows for more than four decades. And if you don't know who Peter is, He's an accomplished composer, producer, musician, lyricist, writer, stage director, and CEO of Watchfire Music, an online record company and music store. In her career going back some 40 years, Peter has twice been nominated for a Tony Award and won a New York Critic Drama's Desk Award for an off-Broadway musical called Salvation. Oh, and add to that list, a relatively new podcast. It's called Scattershot Symphony, the music of Peter Link. Peter is the creator writer, host, and executive producer. Each episode will last anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and features Peter's music, interspersed with commentary from Peter himself. These could be anecdotes, background stories, really just an inside story at how his songs got made. But mostly, it's just music. I think what's interesting about Scattershot Symphony is we like to say it's 90% music, but it's 10% commentary. And Again, it comes down to stories. I think the thing that makes Scattershot work the best is somehow there's almost a story for every song. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I should say that I am the associate producer for Scattershot. But even if I weren't, this is exactly the type of podcast I would want to feature. There's a lot that I love about Scattershot, and there's quite a bit that anyone looking to make a podcast can learn from it. And we'll get to some of that during this episode. But I first want to touch on the origin story, as it were, because it's one of my favorite things about this project. When the pandemic came, it threw everyone's plans into disarray. Vacations were canceled, events postponed, family gatherings stopped, and, well, you know how that story goes. For Peter, that meant a series of Broadway musicals that he'd been working on for some time had to be put on hold. So what did he do? I think there was a line from the Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney movie that says, we got a backyard, we can put on a show, right? Well, that's the way I feel now. I spent the last four years before COVID hit working on five different Broadway musicals with different people, sometimes just myself, 
but mostly as a composer working on Broadway musicals. COVID comes along, and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, uh, well, it's going to be a year or so before the people get into a Broadway theater again. An audience moves into it. I wouldn't go. So uh, I thought, okay, what, what do we do about this? You know, what can we do? Let's put on a show. Let's, where's, an, where's an area where you can put on a show? And that's how Scattershot Symphony was born. Now, there's something to consider here. A podcast like Scattershot Symphony isn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world to make. It's challenging on both a technical and intellectual level. And for something like this, we lean heavily on Peter's some 40 years of working in entertainment to make this work. Often, the best podcasters do that. They leverage their life experience into making a podcast that works for them. If you heard the episode I did on narrative podcasts, I referenced some pretty well-known podcasters as good examples. Now, in hindsight, what I think I neglected to say was that those podcasters all had years of relevant professional experience, which helps make their podcasts stand out. So whether you're a beginner or if you have decades of relevant experience, you probably ought to think about how you can use that to make a podcast that is unique to you. Don't just make a carbon copy of a podcast you like. Sure, use it as inspiration, but also figure out a way to use your own existing skill sets and experiences to make a podcast that reflects you. Of course, that won't look exactly the same for everyone, but understanding how your skills will help you make a podcast will help you, well, make a podcast. Maybe you're a good writer or an engaging public speaker. Perhaps you're a great listener. For me, I have a background in public radio, and that experience and skill set really informs how I go about making podcasts. Playing to your own strengths will make the learning curve when you start your podcast a bit easier, because there's always something to learn, even for a seasoned pro like Peter. I'll tell you one thing that has emerged and has changed since we started, and that I didn't understand the power of that, and that is the power of title. The title, I'm working much harder on the titles now. It, before it was uh, uh, pop music, right? But now I'm, I'm trying to find a title that is compelling. And I should have known that because I know that a title of a song has to be compelling, right? I love you, that's not, that's not compelling for a song, right? That, there's, why, why would I hear another song called I Love You, even though everybody wants to hear those words, right? That's kind of an aside, but something that's always really important to me. I think a good title is important. That's why this episode is titled, Let's Put On A Show. This brings us to the how. Now again, not to put too fine of a point on it, Peter came into this already knowing how to master audio. He understood how to craft narratives and just being a lifelong performer, he was already comfortable behind the mic. All of that shaped how we designed his podcast and how we make each episode. Obviously, if you're a beginner, you can't replicate that experience, but there are some concepts we use for Scattershot that I think will help podcasters make their shows better. It starts with something we call Radio Reimagined. I, th I think of podcasting as uh, Radio Reimagined, only reimagined much better than it ever was because what what, what, what is radio? If you, if you get on the radio, I, I, I recently I did a, a musical of mine that was broadcast on WBLS, uh, and um, it happened on a Saturday night at 8 o'clock, 
and they had to they had to cut a two and a half hour musical down to an hour because that's all the time the the station had. Now I don't want that to feel too abstract because I think there's something very tangible you can take away from that. After all, people have been producing audio for more than a century, and I think we all have something to learn from that. Take time to listen to old radio dramas like War of the Worlds by Orson Welles, that's probably the most famous, or Dragnet is one I personally like. But really, any radio drama from that era is worth giving a spin. You can find them online, and even if you aren't trying to make an audio drama or a narrative podcast, there's still ideas you can borrow from that will spruce up your podcast, no matter your format. I've mentioned before that probably the most common type of podcast anymore is someone records a conversation with a guest, sends it off to an editor, you can send it over to us at Castos, by the way, put an intro and outro on, and that's that. Not a bad way to make a podcast, and a lot of people do it. But the flip side of that is that a lot of people do it. And sometimes, even if the information in those types of podcasts are really good, it makes it hard for them to stand out. Matt Medeiros here at Castos has been doing a lot of work on making interview shows better. And one thing he champions is the idea of a cold open. This can be a good quote from the episode that you pull out, or it can just be a really grabby sentence that you write up. Whatever it is, you want it to grab your audience's attention immediately. You want it to be the first thing they hear. Radio dramas back in the day did a great job of using sound effects to set a tone and ambiance immediately. The producers from those days knew how to grab and keep the listener's attention. And even if you don't use sound effects, you want to pique your listener's interest immediately. And if the first two minutes of your episode is your static intro and banter between you and the guest, you run the risk of losing people's interest. I also think the producers at NPR do a really good job as well. Typically, if you listen to a program, right before the news starts, they give you a little snippet of what to expect in the upcoming program. That way, you can make it through all the scary and terrifying news that you're about to hear, knowing that on the other side of all of that, there's going to be something interesting worth listening to. As a writer of narrative podcasts, I like to use a common tool in writing known as foreshadowing. This is pretty simple and self-explanatory. And of course, the goal is to motivate the listener to stay tuned, because they know they're going to hear something fun, interesting, or important. I did that for this episode when I mentioned theater of the mind, or theater of the imagination. That was not arbitrary at all. I wanted that phrase to be in the back of the listener's mind because it's something Peter and I talked about, and it's something that we use when making Scattershot Symphony, and it's something you can use as well. We use the term theater of the imagination, which is, is the same thing as theater of the mind. Uh, maybe it's a little more particular in, in certain cases, but... Uh, I think that's that's what I experienced when I was a kid. I would shut my eyes and listen to Superman, and I would see him flying, right, just because of the way they would do it. You're creating an aural world, right, for, for a listener. Finally, I want to talk about workflow a little bit. Now, in effect, Peter is repurposing his life's work for a podcast series. It's been covered on Audience before how you can repurpose work to make a podcast. With the right producer that can be done very well. But that doesn't mean repurposing material isn't work, because it is. For us, anyway, it's a lot of work. In that week that I do, I, I'll bet I spend 60 hours, wow. if, not, if not more, working on one podcast. It never stops. The work never stops. Yes, I am pulling from 40 years of music writing, 
and music experience, but, but that 60 hours is really assembling and putting it all together. And then I hand this over to you and the rest of my staff, and it takes them a full week to work on the promotion of that, to do the trailers, to, do, to set it all up, to do the site pages. And I have like four or five people working on that to do that. Not everybody out there has the opportunity that I have because they don't have a company that does that. But, but uh, it, it takes that to, to get this thing on the road right, and do it right. I, I put out a podcast once every three weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. The first week, it it's all falls on me. The first day, I, I take a look at my concept, right? And I make sure that I have uh, the songs to fit my concept. And then I work the concept. What is this really all about? What, what, what am I talking about here? How do I want to start and how do I want to finish? And what do I do in between? You know, the fundamental of speech making is tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them, right? So I, I use that foundation uh, with, with my, my podcast. That's the first day. The second day and the third day, I sit down and I write the entire podcast. I write it all out. Every morning I get up early in the morning and I start working on reading what I write. Uh, so I work then uh, for the next couple of days after that, I, I rehearse the reading of the podcast so that it sounds like I'm just talking to people. So I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm actually reading something to them because nobody wants to be read to. Everybody wants to be talked to uh, or, or talked with, but nobody wants to be read to. Uh, so I try, I try to make a podcast be like a good talking book, right? Uh, somebody who, who is a good talking book reader, he, you know he's reading to you, but he's telling a great story, right? Back to the story concern. By the time we get to the fifth day, then I go in and I uh, assemble all the music that I want to use. And then sometimes I uh, repurpose it through uh, some mastering techniques that I know about. So I bring it more up to date just in terms of its sound. Then by the time I get to Saturday, then I, I record it. I record all the, all that I'm going to say. And that takes a recording record session for an hour mix can take me three or four hours to do it because I'll I'll do it I'll I'll do each section over and over and again till I get it right and then I comp it all I sit down that can take me four or five hours to comp it together to to, to make it sound right then I assemble it then I mix it and then I send it off to you <laughs> I'm glad Peter talked about writing because the importance of being able to write for the ear and perform a narration cannot be understated. Again, it's not something everyone can do well and not everyone needs to master it. But if you're looking to make some kind of narrative or storytelling podcast, or if you just want to converse better with your guests, Peter has a recommendation for something that might help you write and perform a narration. The best thing that I ever did when I was young is that I, I uh, went to the neighborhood playhouse school, the theater, and I learned to be an actor. Uh, what I learned, uh, and I studied with a great acting teacher, uh, one of the fathers of American acting, a man named Sanford Meisner. And what I learned at that school was how to get in touch with my inner self. And I have used the methods that I learned how to be an actor 
since then as a, a lyricist, as a composer. Uh, I think that uh, a sculptor could go to, the, go to learn acting. What, what is acting? Acting is, uh, acting is reacting. What, what is music? How do you write music? You react to what you just wrote, right? How do you write a line of music? How do you write a lyric? You, you react to the sentence that you just wrote. Um, you, uh, so so the, the strongest uh, fundamental that I have in my life is that there's an actor in me. There's, there's, a, there's an artist in me uh, that, that works from that standpoint. You just mentioned the term story. For me, every song is a story. Every piece of instrumental music is a story. The, the podcast that we just worked on together, episode 16 of Scattershot Symphony, is uh, all about instrumental music. And I talk in depth about that being every song that I've written, is a, there's a story to it. What is a story? It's not necessarily a plot. It is a through line. It is, it is a, it, there's a story. And I, and I say in the, in the episode, if you don't uh, understand my story, make one up, right? Have your story. Follow the music in, in terms of that. Uh, it's, not, it's not a matter of listening to a system of notes. It's listening to an emotional experience because what is music? Music is pure emotion. Personally, I work with a voice coach several times a year to brush up on techniques, learn new methods, and get objective feedback. I think it makes a difference. So to recap, understanding your why will help you understand your how, and using your existing skills and experiences will help you implement your how. Concepts like theater of the imagination and radio reimagined, while they seem abstract, are actually quite tangible, and you can borrow ideas from those concepts to help make your podcast even better than it already is. Okay, so Peter has mastered the art of making a podcast. But what does he get out of it? I mean, I said earlier in the episode that the whole point was just to make a good podcast. And that's true, he's done that. But that doesn't mean there haven't been tangible benefits either. The point of a podcast for me is not to make money. If you go into it with the idea that somewhere you're going to make a killing, you're just not going to. It's just not going to happen. So it's kind of like working your brand through uh, Facebook. You're not going to sell stuff off of Facebook. You are going to help people identify your brand by doing, by working Facebook and run, even running first Facebook ads. But Facebook won't even really let you commercialize your brand. So you can't go into it thinking you're going to make money. I'm loving it because it gives me the opportunity to take a lifetime of work and to take the best of my lifetime and put it up for those to listen to for not only the rest of my life, but the rest of my son's life and the rest of his children's life. It'll be up forever, whatever forever means, right? That's it for this episode of Audience. Feel free to reach out anytime. Log on to castos.com to see how we can help.